Countdown to the tent, folks. Weeks away from all being in one big room. Oh, Josiah, you still over there? Oh. Oh. Go over there so they can get you on camera and I can say hi to you. Hurry, run over there. Get over there. And guys, get him on the camera. I want to see him. Hey, Cy, you over there in Sanctuary West? You guys can do like a picture and a picture thing, can't you? Oh, yeah. Oh, now, Mark, do you have your glasses on? Because you have a problem today over there. Like every picture that I get from that room is blurry where you can't even see anything. Go to, go to Josiah then because everyone else is blurry. Sup? All right, we're back in the house. Yeah, get Josiah in there, Mark. There you go. Just t check your focus, Mark. The focus is out. Like it's all blurry. You got to turn that knob on the lens. This is coaching in real time right now. Okay, guys. yeah, yeah. No, yeah. no, keep going until you see him shine. Like he'll pop out there. <laughs> Crystal, smile. Let him see them in pearly whites. All right. Don't you have those little lines that show up too on the camera that make it like. Well, you can tell, Kurt. You're over the video, Lee. <laughs> okay, well, oh, oh, wow. Okay, well. Close, close. Oh, oh! Whoa, it's not broken. It's fixed. Oh. It's resurrected. Oh. Hey, Cy, how are you doing, man? Doing well, man. Glad to be in the house. Yeah, I am too. And I think Sanctuary West is awesome over there. Did you see the new curtain in that room? Yeah. And all those people. Oh, yeah. We even had bunnies over here this morning. I know. You know, and if you missed the picture with the bunnies, okay, this isn't the bunny rabbit. They're real rabbits, like real bunnies from our Dreamers Ranch. If you missed your picture, you can go outside the sanctuary right here in the foyer and see Bonnie, and she is going to stick around right after service to take your final pictures with the bunnies. So thank you, Bonnie. Give Bonnie a hand. She's really helping out. You know, like, this is an incredible day. It's a day that, like Steve said, it's like one of the most important days. And I'm just... I want to pray because I want today for God to come and literally shake us up. I want my heart to be encountered by the living God. He is not dead. He is alive, and he's transforming hearts, and he wants to do something in us today. Yes, he does. Amen, Josiah. Preach it. Come, come on. on. I'm hungry. Amen. My heart is hungry. Lord, we just pray today that you would come that you would follow your word with signs and wonders following that supernatural happenings like Steph preached about last week. Happenings are happening, and I pray that happenings would happen today. Lord God, we pray for your spirit to come. We thank you for your spirit that was here with us in worship, that sense of warmth and comfort and peace. And Lord, I pray that that continues to build and grow till it becomes a disruptive, transforming force in our midst. Father, transform us. Change us from glory to glory. Change us from old ways to new and living ways, God. Ways full of hope. In Jesus' name, amen. And I'm praying for everybody that is listening at home. I know there's people overseas that are listening, you know, Bro, love you over there in Scotland and all over the place. Listen, God is doing something new. 
And it is time to open your hearts, whether you're here or you're there. God wants to change you, transform you. Today is an awesome day. We started weeks ago with five, for those of you who haven't been here for a while, I know there's some who are back from being sick for a while. But listen, five and a half hours of repentance. Literally public repentance, people coming up and sharing from their hearts. This, this wasn't like, this happens in, in youth group, it would happen more often. But I've never seen it in my life in decades of ministry happen with multi-generations, old and young, in a public place where people were just sharing anything and everything, and the Spirit of God was here, and it went five and a half hours. We made a joke to say, come on, we got to speed this up a little bit, keep on task, because we don't want to be here till 5. Well, we were here till 5.30, and everyone said, whoa, that was prophetic. Well, <laughs> that was an amazing time, and as amazing as it was, there's a challenge before us to steward what God has done in our midst. We can't forget that day. That was a significant day. It was a day that everyone left here just going. There was like, by 5.30, there was still 100-some people here. By like 3, some people had to leave, and they were coming back after lunch, after jobs. And showing up at the church, there was like hundreds of people here. But we have a mandate before us. We have a a call before us, and you know, last time we talked, we talked about stewarding God's visitation. We talked about using the four R's: repentance. This is what we learn and encounter: releasing people from offense, renouncing, which is breaking agreement with the plan of the enemy, breaking agreement from old emotions, from offenses, and things like that. Right? We are cleaning the slate, breaking all ties. You know, with sexual sin, we break soul ties. We break things where we joined our hearts with someone in impurity. We break those in prayer and say, Lord, let your purity come and wash everything. Make it new. And then finally, we receive. We receive the power of God from heaven to transform us and establish new strongholds. You know, repentance involves tearing down. This is just review, just to get us right on track here. Repentance involves tearing down the stronghold of the enemy and leads us into a place of restitution and restoration. Building a stronghold for the Lord in the opposite nature of what was torn down. Right? We read in Proverbs 6.31, we talked about the thief, right? When he's discovered taking, he has to return back seven times. That is just not like some legal protocol. It's those who take must develop a stronghold of giving seven times as much. Those of you who are in lust and perversion, you develop a, a power of purity seven times what you were once in bondage for. Those of you who were fear, you develop a stronghold seven times as strong of courage and bold living. Seven times. This is the way of God, lust. And is replaced by purity. Taking is replaced by giving. Criticizing is replaced by seven times speaking life and encouragement. Hurting is replaced by seven times being a healer. You know, you feel bad because you were, you were someone who hurt and violated many people. Well, get ready because God's intention is to make you a healer seven times as potent and strong. <laughs> Passivity. 
Those of you who feel passive, like, you know, this could be even in your marriage, right? You're, you're the man and you're passive. Well, God wants to make you seven times as strong in serving and initiating and bringing forth life and leading. Bold communication. You know, those who are caught in fear, love, self-reliance. Think about Paul. Paul was one of the most perfect Pharisees. He was esteemed for, like, being perfect, like the Pharisee of Pharisees. And what, what happened? When he repented of that, he became seven times more powerful in saying, I am nothing. Everything I have is dung. I find my strength in my weakness and my inadequacy. Do you see that? It's this whole process. Now, we need the power of the Spirit. You know, Steph talked about levels of stewardship. And this, you know, when we talk about responding, because she said we need to direct the Spirit. And I want to bring clarity to that because it's, this is kind of complicated because, you know, there's two sides. One saying, I'm going to just live right. Watch this. I'll do everything right. I'm going to read my word. I'm going to pray. But then we can get into a place where we're being way too active. And we never let God take over and release transformation. But then there's some who say, oh, if it be God's will, then let it be. Hallelujah. And we sit on our laurels on our couch, right, Michael Cole? And we just sit there and say, well, whatever. You know, if God wills it, then he'll do it. But that's wrong. Because we have a responsibility in fact, you can't even get to the power of God until you've exhausted your own effort. I truly believe that. You have to exhaust everything in your power to bring about change in your life. And when you're like, I just, there's nothing else and it's not enough. God says, I'm here. Take another step. And we step right off into supernatural living. Come on, folks. Listen, I'm telling you, this is... This is it. I'm telling you. This is why the church is apathetic and powerless and sterile. Because we are wussies. Really. And we need to wake up. I'm serious. And if you've been saved 30 years and you're like, oh, he ain't talking to me. I'm talking to you. Because otherwise, if you spend 30 years of surrendering your heart to the power of the living God that raised Christ from the dead, you folks would be shining and we'd all be saying, hey, can you give us some notes? Like, so don't say, like, I've arrived. You haven't arrived. You ain't arrived. Otherwise, everyone would be crowding around you. Like, hear me. Seriously. We pray for someone and they're healed and we think we've arrived. Do you think that is the ultimate thing? Like, unless it's happening like Jesus, or let me correct myself, greater than Jesus. That's what the word says. Greater things will you do. How many of you see people do greater things than him? I haven't. There's a problem. There's a disconnection from the habitation of the living God inside us. And we're not letting him live. If we were, there'd be a lot more change. Instead, we're, we're flirting and having affairs with the prostitutes of this world called materialism, humanism, these things that rob us and rob us from letting God habitate us and move through us and live through us. 
So Steph talked about all this and putting to place, you know, in Zechariah 9, she talked about that. She talked about putting ourselves into a proper position or posture, and she gave us things to do. And so what I wanted to say is that this role of seeking after the power of God to transform our lives is active and passive. It's almost considered like this. It's like putting a sail up in the wind. You're not causing your ship to be propelled forward. You're putting it in a position to catch the wind. When you lift that sail and it billows and it catches the wind and starts moving, you're not moving the ship, but you're doing something that if you didn't lift your sail, you wouldn't move. So you got to lift the sail and then the wind catches it. The wind of the spirit symbolizing that power from heaven begins to push your ship and you're like, whoa, all I did is lift the sail. And that's what you have to do in your hearts and lives. If you would just lift your sail in your heart, you would catch wind. But I'm telling you, it takes work. It takes time. It takes dedication, perseverance, stewardship. I don't know if you've not sailed before. You could tip yourself and end up in the water. Wind is dangerous. The spirit of God is dangerous. Hey, now. Come on, Josiah. Hey Thank you. Thank you, brother. Supporting from the West. Hallelujah. Today, we celebrate the resurrection of Christ from the dead by the power of the Spirit. So we remember that Father God so loved the world that he sent his only son. He fulfills centuries of prophetic promises which started with the first preaching of the gospel to Abraham in Genesis. On this day, we remember Jesus, the living word who was with the Father in heaven before the beginning of time, before you were even a conception in your parents' minds or in your mother's womb. He left his glorious station on the throne, highly exalted, and came to earth and took the form of a human servant. This servant king died on the cross as a sacrifice to pay for the penalty of your sin, our sin. He took the penalty so we could receive his reward. I want you to think about that, folks. Your penalty was to die on a cross. Your penalty was for your blood to be shed because you broke one law. And if you broke one law, you're guilty of them all. And Christ came and he laid down his life on that cross. He wasn't arrested beyond his will. He gave himself because the Father sent him. And he died a brutal death so that you could walk with a crown on your heads. Yeah, come on, that is, that is, unless you don't know what the crown of righteousness is, then you probably wouldn't clap. Come on, folks, stay with me. <laughs> we remember this day on the third day that Jesus was resurrected from the dead by the power of the Spirit. This third day is significant. In Genesis, it was the third day when God gave fruitfulness to the earth. And when Abraham looked up and saw Mount Moriah, this is that same mountain that he left his son, Isaiah, I mean Isaac, and he was ready to 
offer him a sacrifice in obedience to God, actually killing his promise from God. This same mountain on the third day. It was also the third day when Jacob escaped Laban after 20 years of laboring. The third day he was delivered. The day Levi and Simeon destroyed the prince of Shechem. The day the restoration for the butler with Pharaoh. And it's the third day that Joseph's brothers received instruction to live. In Exodus, the third day was the day that God came down from Mount Sinai and the voice of God showed up after a long silence. In Leviticus, it was the day of the peace offering, the day of Eliab's offering, and the tabernacle offering, the day of purification. In Joshua, it was the day of praise and unity. In Judges, it was the day the Benjamites were destroyed. That is a brutal story. The Benjamites, God's people, had turned against one another and became worse than Sodom and Gomorrah. And God judged them on the third day. In 1 Samuel, the day of the covenant with Jonathan and David. And the day God hears David at Ziklag and answers his prayer. It was the day Saul died and the anointed King David rose to power. In 1 Kings, it was the day of deliverance. 2 Kings, the day of healing. The day to go to the house of the Lord and the day the shadow moved forward 10 degrees. In 2 Chronicles... It was the day to approach the king, and in Ezra, a day of flourishing of the house. It was the day Esther prepared herself to approach the king. In Hosea, it's a day of raising. In John, it was the third day when Jesus turned the water into wine. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it's the day of promise, the day of resurrection, truth, and life. We remember on this day that it it was a significant third day of promise, resurrection, truth, and life are released. Let's go. Let's go. Now, see, we, we were given the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, when I leave, I will give you the Holy Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit do? Well, Zechariah 4, 6, he says, not by might, but by power, by my spirit, And this is probably the most important thing that the Holy Spirit does is it allows you to operate in a power that's beyond your own power, in a wisdom beyond your own wisdom. Like, I want you to really apply this to your life. Are you walking in your own power or are you truly accessing a power that you just cannot comprehend how you're doing what you're doing because you're living by the Spirit and not yourself? Isaiah 11, 2, the spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. This is what the Holy Spirit brings. He brings fear, counsel, wisdom, understanding that's beyond your human understanding. If you would put up your sail and catch the wind, you would be operating in a, in a wisdom that's beyond human ability. oh, but maybe you're just pursuing a career or maybe you're pursuing wealth or maybe you're pursuing a reputation. Your fruit is going to be that very thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you pursue God, his wisdom, his spirit, all things shall be given to you and everything God gives is a abundant. 
It's excessive. It's outrageous. Come on now. Three, Acts 1 to 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Folks, I am a Holy Ghost guy. I love praying in the Spirit. I love the gifts of the Spirit. But I'll tell you what, there is something more powerful than any miracle. You know what it is? When God jumps in stupid you and changes you to cause everybody to stand in awe and say, that is impossible. That is impossible. Why, he's, he's always been proud. How is he becoming humble? He didn't read a self-help book. Ever since I've known him, he was so stubborn and arrogant. What happened? That kind of thing that changes it even causes naysayers that are closest to you to think twice and say, what is going on? They may hear, listen, we've been in, we've been in like Dublin around the university campuses, and we've, we've literally seen the Spirit of God heal young person's bodies. Like, tell them things that no one knew except God. Heal their bodies. Like one guy healed of his arm, and he's like, whoa. And we're like, Jesus did that. He goes, oh, that's awesome, man. I'll, I, I'll probably have to see you. Well, do you want to accept him? No, man. I'll take the healing. But like, no, not interested, really. Yeah. Some, sometimes miracles don't cut it. People are just like, yeah, I don't. But when someone they love is transformed from the inside out, Come on. and it's so evident and so powerful, it caused people to go, What? What is going on? Uh, this will just be a little sidekick hustle thing. Watch. In a week or two, it'll be gone. And then it only deepens and gets stronger and begins to bear fruit. And then people are like, this is real. I'll try persecuting them and see what happens. So then the person persecutes them. And they're like, oh, it's okay. Don't worry. God is good. God is good. Watch and see. There's more to come. This is the kind of power that somehow the church has missed. The power to transform a person's life. That they become a living sacrifice, a witness. Yeah. That they don't even have to open their mouths. People are stunned because they've never seen this person change. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you received from God? Just think about that a second. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, the one that raised Jesus from the dead, the one that empowered a warrior and he destroyed 500 men with a bone. Like Holy Spirit who stops the sun. Holy Spirit who causes someone to be raised from the dead. Lives in you, not just the apostles, you. 
in this room. When you believe in Jesus, he comes and he fills you and lives inside you. Now, just think about this, folks. When we stand before the living God in heaven and we say, well, you know, it was just hard. You know, I had a child that was giving me pr problems. You know, I had a hard time. My job didn't pay enough, so I really struggled. Do you think any excuse is going to stand up when you stand before him face to face and he says, come before me. Give an account of your life. Well, Lord, I, I, I. He's like, I gave you the spirit that created the universe. And he's in you, not a partial Holy Spirit. 100% full measure of God in you. And you never lifted your sail. And there was a trade wind a-blowing. Yeah. Yeah. There's zero excuse. Zero excuse. Zero excuse. The power and the energy available to us if we will just allow him and we'd respond appropriately. Romans 8.26, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know how to pray, but the Spirit no. No. himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. What is that called? That is called Holy Spirit tongues language. Supernatural, Holy Spirit language. You don't know how to pray. You begin to pray in the Spirit, and then God begins to reveal and speak to you. Happens so much. You know, you don't know how to pray for someone, but you know you need to. You start praying for them, and he starts to give you intel. And then you can begin to declare and break things. There was one time. Um, now, I'm not going to go there. We got to keep going. No. Um, Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all peace and joy in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. I mean, in a hopeless world that we live in, all hell breaking loose all around us. We need to believe that while we believe, the Holy Spirit fills us with hope that says, oh, don't be dismayed. God has a plan. Happenings are happening. Lots is going to happen. Get ready. Buckle your bootstraps. God is going to pour out and move and redeem a hopeless earth. My situation is without hope. I have news for you. He is a God of hope that's going to infiltrate that and blow it to pieces and see his promises come to pass. Believe and be filled with the hope of the Spirit. He's in you, releasing it. Yeah. Come on. John 14, 26, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. Folks, you have every answer you need. You have every provision you, you need. You have every ounce of moral fortitude you need. You have every ounce of power you need. you got to lift your sail and catch the wind of the Spirit. Preach it, Sean. Okay, I will, Lord. Thank you. The rocks. Cry out, rocks. When the Holy Spirit comes, all things become new. It's resurrection. Some of us know what it's like because when we met Jesus, we got butterflies. Remember that day? 
Remember that day? And I used to drive two hours to church. I lived in Medina, and I drove to Columbus because I want to experience the power. I went to a big church down there filled with the power of the Spirit. And I would drive two hours down, two hours solid of butterflies, my whole stomach just rumbling going, oh, I can't wait, I can't wait, I can't wait, I can't wait. And then I'd get there like a half an hour early, and I'd just begin to pray in my seat, read my word, and say, Lord, I thank you for the power of God. I thank you for what you're going to do to me today, because I didn't know anyone down there. I'm two hours away. So I just got there and started rumbling. And then, I mean, I remember there was so much expectancy. It's something we got to learn and cultivate. I'm telling you, we are all on a journey to cultivate expectancy of the living God showing up and rocking the house. Miracles, signs, and wonders. Like, instead of coming, I I mean, I love the cafe, but like, come and get your coffee and then come and just begin to stir your heart up. Break into something. I'm telling you, we need, we got life group for relationships, folks. And we got like, A lot of different times we can react. Sunday is encounter time. Come and begin to cry out that God does something beyond our human little circle. We got to. If the church isn't filled with encounter and power, where else are you going to find it? Nowhere. There's something about the power of the church coming together in assembly before the living God and saying, Here we are. Release your manifold wisdoms to the principalities and the powers. Come on, Mitchell. Woo! Yes. 2 Corinthians 4. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry. We do not lose heart. Rather, we've renounced secret and shameful ways. Have we not crossing? Guys, are you listening to Sanctuary West? We're with you. We're with you. Gosh, come on. We do not lose heart. We do not use deception, nor distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. You know, when God shows up, everything shifts. Everything changes. It doesn't matter what happened When we were a kid, it doesn't matter what happened in our previous church. It doesn't matter what happened in our previous relationships. It doesn't matter how bad. He starts shifting everything. There's one woman who has been changed immensely. Terry, come up and just share. I mean, listen, I want her to share because this is just one example, but God has rocked her in almost every aspect of her life. Her health, her healing, her finances, there's just her relationships, her past, just. All right. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Um, All right. So, yeah, I walked through these doors a year ago next week. It'll be a year. And um, when I came through these doors, I had, like, really serious, like, physical heart problem, but also emotional heart problems. And um, like, I don't know, five months ago, November, God spoke to me and he was like, you're going to start giving. And I'm like, I'm not giving. I was in some really, really abusive churches. And I was in one that was so abusive that I remember the leader above me coming into a hospital room. I had a massive infection. And she brought me a bag. And in that bag, it was my checkbook. And she's like, I need your tithe check. Yeah, it was that abusive. It was really abusive. 
And um, I just saw money really abused, and I was like, I'm not going to do that. And God, like, okay. And God brought me to all these scriptures, and he brought me to, like, Romans, do everything out of love. And then Hebrews, you know, have all this faith. And then um, Malachi 3, and I was like, yeah, I'm not doing that, God. And God was like, I want to open the floodgates. I really do. So I listened, and I started giving, and I gave a very specific dollar amount that God kind of put on my heart. And um, no lie, seven weeks later, I, get the, I win this award at church. I mean, at work, at work. <laughs> and it was the exact dollar amount that God had you told know, me to give. Why you won the award, I right? know why I won the award so because I gave. Yeah, I get it, Sean. I get it. But God, it was literally the exact dollar amount that God had told me to give. Then, no lie, I, I get this huge bonus. I mean, I get a raise and it's 10% of my income. I don't know if any of you work for a company, but you never get 10%. I didn't ask for it, it was just given to me. Okay, and then. The hammer dropped, and I find out you need surgery on your heart. Your heart's, like, you need to have, when I came through these doors, I was two millimeters away from needing open heart surgery. And I was told, you need surgery. This was, like, the end of February. I went for a second opinion last week in Boston. They looked at all 10 years' worth of scans, like, all 10 years. 10 years. Now, I have to tell you, I did not believe in healing. I didn't. I was originally told my first church, they said, sorry, that was to usher in the early church. Once the last apostle died, it's gone. So I had no hope. None. I had been in churches where they had preached that. I've lived in four states. So I've been in churches where they've preached it, but I was like, mm, not really sure I believe that. Mm, that sounds good for them. Not good for me. It's not going to happen. It's congenital. Well, my aneurysm shrunk back to where it was 10 years ago. And... <laughs> I no longer, they were like, see you in two years. You no longer need anything. Like, they're like, we don't think it'll ever rupture. Those are the exact words. We don't think it'll ever rupture. I'm like, are you kidding me? So I'm just saying that, like, I, I have been in, honestly, really bad places, okay? And God has redeemed me. I mean, oh, I also, in that time frame of the money, I sold my home for almost 30% more than I paid for it. And it was a brand new build when I bought it. So I put, I'd only owned it two and a half years. I'd put nothing into it. God is like, I figured out the numbers after taxes, after every, after realtor fees. And it was a 561.7% increase. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a nerd. Okay. All right. So anyway, that was it. I mean, God's just been amazing. My world's been rocked. I've, I, I, I can't even tell you how changed my life has been. So You know, like money and health are two of the most important things in our life, really. It's, it's, it feeds us. It does all kinds of things. And when God shows up, he takes care of every important thing. And when we start to yield our heart and we catch the wind of the Spirit, he begins to show us in all these things that don't seem spiritual. But I'll tell you what, if you have an aneurysm, it's a spiritual thing to face like, is it going to kill me? And then Jesus says, oh, no, it won't. I'll heal you. And then when Jesus says, like, I know you've, you've had a hard time. I know you've seen abuse and you've seen scandal and you've seen rigidity and death in, in church. And now, but I want you to give and obey me. And then she responds and he says, I will bless you. I will bless you. I will bless you. God redeems us. He's redeeming the church. He's transforming the church. I'll tell you, there's so many more, like Terry, of healings and prosperity and outpouring, 
This is what he wants to do. This is what resurrection is. Resurrection is not feeling a goosebump. Resurrection is not just coming to church on a Sunday and just saying hi to someone and going home and being the same. It's transformation. Transformation. It's like Terry's testimony, all things have become new. Verse 3 of 2 Corinthians 4, and even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves. You get that? What we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. When is the church going to be so compelled and impacted by the work of Christ that they go to their knee and say, oh, it's not me, it's you, and I am just a mere servant? No, we want to be men and women of God. Hallelujah. For God who said, let light shine in darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Do you see what this is saying? The light of God living in you, releasing, shining, changing, shifting. Like when you go in darkness, you're going to blow it up with light. Light, dispelling darkness, challenging sin, challenging addiction. <clears throat> you were trapped without hope in darkness. Like, no, I was raised in a Christian family, and um, actually, I was born saved. <clears throat> yeah, is that what your parents said when they saw your ugly two-year-old face going, Aah! They're like, oh, there's the demon. <laughs> there's that old flesh nature. You'll come out of there. <laughs> no, we're all born with sin. And then we all, to some measure, are trapped in darkness, and there is no human solution. Come on. Let's go. Let's go. Except the human Jesus, who is 100% man, 100% God. Yeah, 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 yeah. Verse 7, but we have this treasure in jars of clay called these bodies to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not us. This is what I'm talking about. How many of you are walking, demonstrating, and expressing a power that is beyond you? If you're not, you're just not catching the wind. Listen, if we really tasted and saw the goodness of God. I'll tell you, I used to do drugs. I used to drink. I used to fill myself with lots of promiscuity. But it is like eating dung compared to the presence of God. Who wants drugs when you got the Holy Ghost surging and bringing to an encounter of God that's beyond anything you could possibly experience? Let's go. 
Why would you just get drunk with wine as a hopeless person who is just crying out, going, I don't know what to do with my life, when you can open your mouth and your heart, catch the wind and start surging the deep waters of God and say, oh, this is what I was created for. I'm telling you, when you encounter God, you're like, nothing compares. This is what I was created for. My heart, my mind, everything is in alignment. And I'm just going, God, how could I have missed this so long? How could I have settled for hopelessness? How could I have settled for drugs and alcohol and sex and all these ways of trying to fill that void in the heart? It's called because we were in darkness, hopeless. And then Jesus broke in and shined his light. And we saw when we didn't see before. (laughs) We are this treasure, this jar of clay that has this all-surpassing power being expressed from God. We are hard-pressed. You know, some of you say, well, oh, that means I'll have an easy sale, no problems in life. You know what? I was reading about the Benjamites because I was like, man, that story. I just, Judges 19 to 21, and I was just, you know, it was on the third day that he destroyed the Benjamites. And I just was like, I got to refresh myself on that one. And God literally sent the other tribes out to destroy the Benjamites and lost two times in a row. Two days, they lost everybody that went out to fight the Benjamites. These wicked, this wicked tribe that just went off. And so they were weeping before the Lord. What do I do, Lord? What do I do? This is horrible. They've killed us. They've slaughtered us. I thought you sent us out. See, God doesn't necessarily care about a few steps. He cares about what happens in the end of things. And so you may be having a struggle, but listen, you got to put your hope in God and say, well, that was a failure today. Well, that was another failure today. Well, that was another failure. You need to just continue to persevere. And God kept telling them, go out. And then they lost again. Third day, they said, they're weeping. They've lost their friends, their loved ones. Lord, why is this happening? You sent us out. And he said, go out again, and I will give you the Benjamites. And they went out again, and they lost in the beginning. Lost people. Friends died. And then God kicks in and just begins to obliterate, wiped them away. And, you know, this, this speaks of a lot. It speaks of the fact that Christianity isn't some easy sailing, perfect, you don't have any bumps. God doesn't want to raise a bunch of wusses. He wants to raise men and women who have fortitude, conditioning, endurance, yes. who will Come on. overcome and actually demonstrate superhuman strength. And I'll tell you what, folks, we can't get to the end of our strength without some kind of trial. And I'll tell you what, if you think you can withstand God, like, oh, yeah, well, I, I don't need him. Oh, boy. There are deeper and deeper levels that God will bring you to to realize you need him. And I'll tell you, that is why God has us in processes. That is why God allows us to go through hard things. He allows us so we'll realize, I desperately need God. 
just seeing people around me and some of the people I really loved going through a hard time. And I'm telling you, I thought they hit rock bottom. And then they went deeper and deeper and deeper. And I'm like, God, God, I love this person. Like, are you going to crush them? They, they're at the bottom. And he's like, no, they're not at the bottom. Are you going to trust me? I'm the one that created them. I know what the bottom is. And that's what I'm saying, folks. We have all these confessions about what we believe and our opinions and all this stuff. And God's like, I don't care. I created you. I created them. I created all the heavens and the earth. I know how things work. I'm not interested in your petty, little, ignorant attitudes. And I'm telling you, but it's, it's all of us. We walk with stinking thinking. We hinder the work of God. Because we're not open to him. We're not allowed to change our minds. Some of us are trapped in such dead religion. And it could even be filled with the Holy Spirit. But we're so stuck in our way. I'm, I'm like, we got to come like little children. And forgetting all our arrogance and all our confidence in what we do know. And realize we know nothing. We desperately need God. We need his power. Anything that we have or that we've gained from serving the Lord is dung compared to sheer, simple obedience to Christ. When we depend on our own strength, however holy and righteous it seems, is nothing. When God says, do this, follow me. This is my truth, not my opinion. We always carry around in the body of death Jesus. We're struck down, not abandoned, persecuted, not abandoned, struck down, not destroyed. Hard pressed on every side, not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair. We always carry in our, the body of death of Christ so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. This is God's word. His desires for the life of God, regardless what you're going through. Life of God to be expressed and revealed in your body. It's not just this emotional heart thing. He wants to have physical transformation and change in your life. Oh, come on, folks. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. We're being thrown into bad situations, thrown into darkness. So that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. Transformation of the Holy Spirit must be seen. Many must repent of some very dangerous doubt and unbelief. This is what I'm challenging today. There's very dangerous doubt and unbelief. We boast of his greatness, yet falter when the slightest trial comes. We boast of the power of forgiveness, yet we struggle to forgive our brother and sister. We know the scripture. If you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. But that doesn't stop us. We boast of God's power, but we're paralyzed from obeying and walking in the light because of fear. Perfect love casts out all fear. We preach unity, then we take opportunity to feed strife and remind people of our entitlements. Why did you speak to me like that? Don't you? That's not right. I won't stand for that. 
And right behind you is this Jesus on a cross dying, saying, if you don't forgive me, I won't forgive you. Seek the unity of the Spirit. That's resurrection. But see, we live and forget that we are even part of God and his kingdom. We forget that he, the Holy Spirit, lives in us. The whole time the Spirit's saying, stop, stop, shut your mouth, shut your mouth, open your sail, catch the wind of the Spirit. And when you do, you're going to begin to release words of life. You're going to just catapult blessing and life and peace and unity. How many encounters do we have to go to before we're transformed? How many journeys do we have to sign up for? I'm not against any of these things, folks, but listen, there's a problem when you go to eight and you still, there's no progress that's evident to everybody. You got like a good week after encounter. You're like, woo, I'm hyped up and I'm living right. And then you're like, eight encounters later, you're like, Oh, Lord, I'm so sorry. I'm just so... And we just wail of all our woes. You know what the problem is? The problem is you don't know how to lift your sail. That's the bottom line. You have not experienced the resurrection power of God on a regular basis to where it shifts and changes you. Listen, weeping endures for night, but joy comes in the morning. You're not, it's not weeping endures for 25 years. There is a time of healing and deliverance and breakthrough. And yes, you're always being perfected. But folks, we don't stay in that state of no change, of depression, of addiction, of perversion, of hiddenness, of dead religion. We move out into the newness of Christ. Like this is available to you and me. Amen. How many deliverance sessions before people notice the light of God shining from you? Walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Ask yourself, is your life filled with the power of God and the fruit of the Spirit? to close with this scripture. I'm going to skip ahead a little bit here. In Galatians, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. No self-help is going to save you from the flesh. It's one thing. You raise 
the sail and catch the wind and walk after the wind, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with one another, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition. That alone says it all. Dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against these things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Folks, I'm telling you it's time to catch the wind of the Spirit and be pushed into a place of growth. I know as I'm speaking, because I, I do believe some of you are really thinking deep, you know, so I understand, too. I'm in New England. And New Englanders are very deep and thoughtful. People that come and visit say, did I do okay? Like, they were like responseless. I'm like, you're in New England, dude. It's okay. <laughs> but I know it's hitting our hearts, right? We are not the frozen chosen. We are the redeemed ones who are very deep wells, right? But let's respond to God because, I mean, there's a lot here. And the resurrection power that's available to us is not being received, folks. We're not even doing the fourth R, which is receive. We're repenting. We're renouncing and releasing. But listen, that fourth step is we receive. God wants to pour out a stronghold of his power to develop you as a fortress of the Lord, a stronghold a high tower. Let's just respond to him. I know he's calling some of you. Some of you have not really committed to the Lord. And if you're here today and you're like, man, I've never really given my heart to the Lord. I've gone to church. I've been raised in a Christian home. I've done all these things, but I never really received the sacrifice of Christ on that cross that I talked about in this message. You've never gotten to a place where you're even willing to step out beyond your own strength. You've trusted yourself for a very long time, and it's left you wanting. In one second, God can begin to break off addiction, break off perversion, break off depression. And it's not a magic pill. He's waiting for you to rise up, you to raise the sail, you to take action, make decisions. So, Father, I pray right now for everybody in this room. I pray for those at home who are watching on this 
this broadcast. And I pray right now for the power of the Holy Spirit to go inside deep, deep into those deep places of hearts and release confidence and power to step out, to raise the sails and catch the wind of a whole new life, a whole new way of living. Come on, just begin to respond to God right now. If you're here and if you don't know the Lord, just raise your hand high. Just as a sign to him, say, Lord, I am here. I want this. I want to know you. Just keep your hand. Just raise it up and just respond to the Lord. Just, if that's you, I just want you to say this after the Lord, just to the Lord. Just say, Lord, I just stand here today and raise my hand and say, you have touched something in my heart and done something and I, I need you and I want you. I'm done with doing it myself and I I acknowledge that you did, you sacrificed your life that I might live. So I'm asking right now for you to come and abide in me. Send the power of your spirit into my heart that I might know you, that I might walk in a whole new way. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Several of you in here, Josiah, if you can kind of watch over there. If we can have the prayer team come down right now, we're going to, I'd like those of you who raised your hands. Josiah, you got enough people in that room? Yeah, I think so. Okay. If you're here, I want you to just come and just pray with someone here. Just there's nothing like someone agreeing in prayer for you to, to just know him and walk in a whole new way. It's a community thing. This isn't a private little affair with, you know, we are the people of God called by his name, delivered from darkness into his glorious light. So come bold. Receive from him. Come on, the rest of us, we're praying. We're just asking the Lord to come and be a part of our heart. To build, to increase. Those of you who need prayer, just come. You can bring someone else, your best friend that you came with. None of the other stuff is important. Just come and just pray and just ask the Lord to do a fresh work in your heart.